Well, who needs to step up for Gonzaga to break through and win the whole dang thing? And more discussion on what the Zags need to do or might do with those remaining scholarships, all here on a mailbag edition of the Locked On Zags podcast. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. Happy Monday. Happy Mailbag Monday, folks. We are bringing it back for right now, at least, Mailbag Monday. Uh, for those of you who don't know it, it's very simple to get involved in Mailbag Monday if you would like to do so. You can reach out to me on Twitter at AndyPattonCBB. We're still rolling with Twitter for right now. Haven't jumped onto the Threads bandwagon yet, although I suspect I will be on Threads fairly soon as Twitter is continuing to not operate as well as it used to. I think we'll put it that way for right now. So you can reach out to me on Twitter, though. Still, I will get Mailbag Monday questions answered there. You can also reach out to me on Discord, our brand new Discord server here, all about Locked On Zags, all about the Zags in general. Many of you ask questions that way. Uh, I will post a link to the Discord channel in the show notes if you want to get involved there. You just click the link. doesn't cost you any money. You get to jump in and have more conversations with myself and other Zag fans. You can also email me. AndyPatton013 at gmail.com. Shoot your email that way. I will get those questions answered into the show. Right now, we're going to get through it. We got six great questions to answer here on Mailbag Monday. We'll start here with Ball Don't Lie. This was a question from Discord user. Says, quote, how far do you think the Zags will go next year and which players are going to need to step up to give them a shot at winning the whole thing? So I think the Zags have the talent top to bottom to be an Elite 18. And we're starting to see that already. The ESPN's way too early. Preseason top 25 rankings are out. Other sites are already doing top 25s, top 10s rankings. Locked On College Basketball, a show that I co-host on the other side over there here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are also doing our way too early top 10s. And Gonzaga's kind of right in the 8 to 15 range is generally where they are showing up uh, in terms of preseason rankings for next year. Early July preseason rankings are not necessarily indicative of who is going to win the national championship. In fact, I can guarantee you, if we were to look at rankings on July 10th, 2022, UConn is not in the top two or five or 10, I don't think. I'm not sure they're in the top 25 in many places. San Diego State certainly was not in the top 25 in most places at this time last year. Those are, of course, your final two teams standing uh, to win the big dance. So, I don't know that those rankings mean too much, but this Gonzaga team is deep. They are talented. They have flaws that I think probably will prevent them from winning a national championship unless they find ways to address them or if there are players on the roster who can fix those issues in ways that maybe I'm not aware of at this point. The biggest one to me is really just the defensive side of the ball in general. Not just rim protection, although I have maintained on this podcast that rim protection is an area I am concerned about with this Gonzaga roster heading into next season, but also just perimeter defense. Anton Watson is a very, very, very good defensive player. He should win WCC Defensive Player of the Year. I don't know if he will because he won't have block numbers that necessarily uh, indicate Defensive Player of the Year, especially as a post player. He's going to have a ton of steals 
And I think many players in the WCC will tell you he's the guy they want, they least want to be lined up against them uh, in the conference. So for me, Anton Watson, great, great defensive player. The rest of the team is average at best. Like there aren't really any other plus defensive players on this roster that I expect to play big minutes. Graham E.K. was never known as a big defensive player while at Wyoming. Steel Venters was not known as a great defensive player at Eastern Washington. Getting into a new system, getting into a new role, being asked to do different things could certainly change the conversation around both those guys and around Ryan Nembhard, who also isn't really lauded for his defensive abilities. He's a great facilitator, great passer, great scorer, great shooter, not really a great defensive player. So the Zags added three impactful offensive players, none of who I think are really going to be needle movers on the defensive end. Ben Gregg is a perfectly fine defensive player. He's not much of a rim protector, but he has improved dramatically as a defensive post player, but he's not really a great perimeter defender either, nor has he been asked to do that. Dusty Stromer, Jun Sakyo, we just don't know. We don't know what those guys are going to look like on the defensive end of the floor. We also don't really know what their role might look like. And you have Nolan Hickman, who is a fine defensive guard. He's not as bad as some people make him out to be, but he's also not great. So to me, it's hard for me to look at this roster and think about them playing some of those really deep, really talented, really high-scoring teams that they might face in the Sweet 16 or in the Elite Eight or in the Final Four. And to think, how are they going to stop them? That's the biggest issue I have with this roster as currently constructed. It's why when we've been talking about transfer portal additions over the last week or so, as we kind of look at Gonzaga's quest to fill out what I assume is going to be the final roster spot that they're going to fill with their three remaining scholarships, we're looking at guys who I think could be impactful on the defensive end of the floor. They lost Hunter Salas, a really good defensive player. Rasir Bolton and Malachi Smith were both better defensive guards than Nolan Hickman and Ryan Nembhardt, in my opinion. So you lose your three best defensive guards. That's really tough. That's really tough to replace. Julian Strother, not a great defensive wing, but he was fine. He was adequate at what he needed to do on that end of the floor. So you've lost a lot of defensive talent. And I don't think the players they have brought in necessarily replace that area of need. I think Caden Perry could emerge as a good defensive player. And I think if he does show a, that he's healthy, which is always the big question with him, but that he can be a rim protector and a shot blocker and an eraser, that might earn him playing time because Gonzaga doesn't really have that on the roster. In terms of the second part of this question, which was which players are going to need to step up to give them a shot at winning the whole championship, to me, it's Jun Sakyo. He is the biggest wild card on this roster. He will either be somebody who is not in the rotation which I think Gonzaga, if they add another guard, you could pretty easily make an eight, nine man rotation that does not include him. Or he will be somebody who plays 30 minutes a game and is a borderline All-American. I genuinely believe that the range of outcomes for Yo at this point is that, that wide. If Jun Sakyo is that kind of player, if he is a 30 minute per game, All-American, 15, 18, 20 points per game, eight, nine, 10 rebounds per game, if he emerges as a really good defensive player, if he becomes that kind of player in year one, which again, I've said this on the show before, but I'll reiterate it here. He is going to be going into his freshman year, or I guess I think they're going to call it his sophomore year, but he is 21. So he is older. He is more physically mature than your typical guy starting his first year of division one college basketball. So yo, to me is the biggest question mark, the biggest kind of mystery. If he's an all-American caliber player, which is a big if, 
I'm not making the assumption that he's going to be that. I'm just saying it's possible. If he's that and Steel Venters can play more at the two, Ryan Nemhart and Nolan Hickman split minutes at the one, or Hickman maybe plays a little bit less in that situation. Graham E.K. is fully healthy. Anton Watson emerges the way that we expect him to emerge as more of an offensive threat. Steel Venters knocking down 45% of his threes. Like suddenly you're looking at a roster that I think is absolutely there. But without Yo, without him playing that kind of role, I think they're a little thinner at the wing positions and a little bit questionable defensively to, to really label this team as a legitimate national championship contender. doesn't mean they can win it. I'm just not sure that they're in that conversation right now because I see some of the holes that are on this roster. Next question here, another one that comes from Discord. Reminder, I will have a link to that Discord channel in the show notes if you want to check it out there. This comes from Zag on Discord who says, do you think this upcoming season will be more of an experience year for the players and then for the 2024-25 season will be the championship or bust, especially if we are able to add Zoom Diallo? Yeah, I don't really think it's either of those things, to be honest. I don't think teams are, I don't think that's how people are looking at roster construction in college basketball these days you're not looking ahead to the next year because you're not making the assumption that your team is going to look at all the same year to year. You used to be able to do that. You can't really do that anymore. Phenomenal article from Matt Norlander at CBS. I will post a link to it as well. I think I'm going to do a whole show dedicated to this article later this week as well, because it talked about why teams are effectively not recruiting high schoolers outside of the top 10 or 15 players per class, which would include Zoom Diallo, mind you, but most of the time, these teams are just focused on adding in the transfer portal, and they're, they're not going to invest a ton, bunch of time and money and energy into recruiting four-star high schoolers who typically in the past, those are players that four-star players tend to make or break your team. And this is what Norlander talked about in the article of you bring in a player two or three years later, they're all league. You know, that, that's the development that you have with those four-star, because the five-star guys are one and done or two and done. Four-star guys tend to be program guys who develop in the system. That's just not happening anymore. And it's not happening at, It's not happening anywhere. Gonzaga has a four-star player coming in in Dusty Stromer. That's fantastic. Hopefully he'll develop in the next couple of years and be an all-league performer. That would be great. But you only have like one or two guys per year doing that. Gonzaga's had great development. Anton Watson's a great story. Ben Gregg is a great story. Drew Timmy is, of course, one of the most incredible stories in college basketball. Hopefully, Braden Huff is a great story. Hopefully, Dusty Stromer is a great story. Hopefully, June Sakio is a great story. But now you just can't plan on your roster staying the same. Gonzaga went out and added three transfers this year in Steel Venters and Ryan Nempard and Graham E.K. They did not add those players for any year outside of next year. All three of those guys have multiple years of eligibility. All three of them, in theory, could be at Gonzaga for two years. But Gonzaga recruited them to be here for one year. If they stick around, Great. They're not looking ahead because every year is one-to-one. You're just looking to the next season. What can I do to build the best roster possible for next year? That's what Gonzaga is identifying. If Zoom Diallo commits to Gonzaga tomorrow, that will not change the plan one tiny bit. They are still looking right now to add another transfer, and they're not looking for somebody who is maybe going to transfer in and, and not play much and then develop in the system. They tried that with Efton Reed. It didn't work. You can't really do that anymore. And that will change eventually. The COVID eligibility will run out. The transfer portal will kind of lose its luster. Instead of 1,800 guys, we might see 1,500 guys, 1,200 guys, 900 guys. By that time, by the time the COVID years run out, I think things will kind of, the pendulum will kind of center again. But for right now, teams are focused on building the best roster they can for the upcoming year, and they're not thinking about anything beyond that. Well, 
We're going to talk about what kind of player the Zags are still looking for in the transfer portal and if there are some mid-major options the Zags could pursue in the portal, all coming up right after a word from today's sponsor, Bird Dogs. I don't know how else to say this, so I'm just going to keep it simple. Bird Dogs shortened pants, they make you look good. The Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, and they give you a truly sculpted look. In fact, Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They also fit better than regular shorts made of stiff, restricting cotton. How? Bird Dogs fixed it by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so that you get a slimmer fit without sacrificing movement. It also uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash college and enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You will not want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Bird Dogs, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners as well. If you want to become an everyday listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on YouTube. You can do that on Apple, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. It is very much appreciated. We got more fun stuff coming your way this week. We're going to keep you updated on how the Zags are doing in the summer league. Chet Holmgren looks excellent. How about Drew Timmy? How about Julian Strother? How about Malachi Smith, Philip Petrusev, Joel Ayayi? How are those guys doing? We'll keep you up to date on that, as well as, of course, continued looks at the transfer portal and what the Zags might do with that final scholarship, which is the stuff that I want to talk about here going forward after listening to your Mailbag Monday questions. This next one comes from Christian via Gmail. Christian says, of all the potential transfer portal targets, you've done a great job with episodes on who the Zags might or could be pursuing. Who is the best fit? A 3 and D player, a rim protector, a new superhero unicorn. Yeah, there were some great players that would have been perfect fits in that unicorn category like Grant Nelson. They could have used an elite rim protector like Jesse Edwards, but you can't win them all. Jesse Edwards goes to West Virginia. Grant Nelson joins Nate Oates at Alabama. Right now, I said this in the first segment, I'll say it again. I do think rim protection is a big need for the Zags, but it does not appear that Gonzaga is pursuing a rim protector in the transfer portal. They did reach out to Jesse Edwards. There have been, they have been connected or were at times connected to other big men in the portal as well. Aziz Bandego, who ended up going to Cincinnati. He was a big rim protector out of Utah Valley that they were interested in. Uh, Dawes Amac, who very quickly committed to Cal to follow his old coach, Mark Madsen. He's not as much of a rim protector as more just a, a general big, but he did have good blocking num- block numbers while at Utah Valley. But right now, the Zags seem pretty set on finding a guard. And in my mind, the kind of player they need to look for is a sixth man type who plays really good defense. I don't want to say I don't care about the offense. They need to be able to 
score. They need to be able to do to bring something offensively to Gonzaga. The Zags are are going to play eight or nine players next year. If they're looking for a transfer to bring in to be one of their eight, that player is going to need to contribute. They're going to need to score. But the biggest thing that Gonzaga needs is defense. So to me, they could go out and find a Malachi Smith type. Somebody like the players they've been recently connected to, Paul Mulcahy, uh, was was a, a great potential example they could have found. Uh, Javon Quinterly, they haven't reached out to him yet, but he is available in the portal. He's a little smaller, which I think isn't a great fit, but somebody like that could be an option. Jeremiah Williams, who they've reached out to as well. And of course, uh, Jose Perez from West Virginia, who's very similar to Malachi Smith in a lot of ways. Guy who scored 19 points per game at Manhattan, six foot five guard. But I think, again, the defense is the biggest thing. I'd love if they could find somebody like Malachi who comes in and shoots 50% from three coming off the bench. That would be awesome. But I'd rather have somebody who comes in and plays tenacious on-ball defense, who frustrates the other guards in the WCC, who makes life miserable for the opponent. Because I don't think the Zags have anybody on the roster like that, except for Anton Watson. And he's he can't be the only good defender on the roster, and he's a post player. So he's not going to be a perimeter threat necessarily. They'll still use him in those half-court traps. They'll still use his active hands to get steals, all that good stuff. But they need more than that. So to me... The biggest thing they should be looking for in the transfer portal is the best dang perimeter defensive guard out there. If they're a great three-point shooter, awesome. If they're a subpar three-point shooter, maybe they'll become a better three-point shooter at Gonzaga. If they're a bad three-point shooter, maybe they can attack the rim. Maybe there's something else they can do offensively. But I want somebody who can come in here and play really good defense, who can have that Gary Bell role where you're just assigned the other team's best defensive player and you just go after them. Somebody who could help replicate the loss of Hunter Salas because that's a really tough loss for this Gonzaga team. That, to me, is the avenue they should pursue. Could they use rim protection? Sure. Could they use a unicorn-type player? Of course. Every team could use a player like that. But I think the biggest thing they need is more perimeter defense, and I think that the players they are targeting right now in the portal tends to point in that direction, which makes me confident that they are at least looking for the right thing in the portal. If they can find it, it remains to be seen. There's There's a lot less talent in the portal than there was a few months ago, but there's still guys out there, and they seem to be in on the right types of players, at least from my vantage point. Next question here. This one comes from Sarah via Twitter DM. Sarah says, seems like Gonzaga is mostly targeting high major portal guards right now. Are there any mid-major guards like Malachi Smith was that the Zags could pursue or are they all gone? Yeah, most of the like high level, high productive mid-major guards are gone. That's a very common player to be in the transfer portal guys who average 15, 18, 20 points per game at some low major school and they end up transferring up. And those guys typically do pretty well. It's not uncommon for those guys to, to find success at their next stop. Malachi Smith is, of course, a very recent, very successful example for Gonzaga. There aren't that many players in that ilk left. The most Similar one is Jose Perez, and Jose Perez is technically a West Virginia transfer, so I know people are going to look at that and think, well, that doesn't count, but he didn't play at West Virginia last year. He played the most recently at Manhattan, which is definitely in that conversation of a low major school, and he averaged 19 points per game for Manhattan. Six foot five guard would come in and be a sixth man role. He is a lot like Malachi Smith. There aren't a lot of other players like that. Many of them are already gone. Zion Pullen went to Florida. He was a great example of a player like that from UC Riverside. Shindal Weaver went from UTSA to UTA to Texas. He was a a good example as well. Stephen Ashworth from Utah State to Creighton. Dalton Connect 
from Northern Colorado, averaged 20 points per game at Northern Colorado. He went to Tennessee. Taron Armstrong from Cal Baptist. He decided to not stay at the Division One level and went back to Australia to play professionally. Carlos Stewart from Santa Clara was connected to Gonzaga briefly, but he ended up going all the way across the country and is going to play at LSU next year. There are a few players left, though, that might kind of fit into this category. Jalen Carey is a guy I've mentioned on this podcast a handful of times. I haven't done a full segment dedicated to him yet, but started his career at Syracuse, was a top 100 prospect, transferred to Rhode Island. Took him a while to find his bearings at the collegiate level, but last year he averaged 10-4 and at Rhode Island. Decent defensive player could be a fit in that kind of role for Gonzaga. Samuel Silverstein is a six foot six guard from Harvard. Averaged 7.2 points and 5.3 rebounds in about 32 minutes per game last year. Again, I'd have to see how he looks on the defensive end of the floor to know if he's a great fit there or not. And then Myron Gardner. Myron Gardner is a six foot six guard as well. He's from Little Rock last year at Little Rock. He averaged 13 points, nine boards, three and a half assists, 1.3 steals and shot 36% from three. A lot to like about the profile package there from Myron Gardner. I think they're going to continue to pursue the players that they have showed interest in. Jeremiah Williams, Jose Perez are the two that we know of right now. I mentioned Noah Williams and Javon Quinterly as also options that they could pursue. And, and things could change. There could be grad transfers who continue to enter the transfer portal even here in July. So it's not over yet, but the options right now, fairly thin for the Zags. We're going to close out today's show discussing Gonzaga's remaining scholarship spots as well as some pro Zags all coming up right after this. All right, folks, segment three, Sony Patton's still locked on Zags, still going through Mailbag Monday here in July as we are in the thick of the college basketball offseason. This next question comes from at Noah Porter on Twitter, who says, will Colby Brooks get one of the open scholarships? He may as well, assuming he's still there next season. I don't know why Colby Brooks would not still be there next season. Um, and I think there's a chance he gets one of the scholarships. I, I do. Um, he's saying may as well. I, I mean, Gonzaga should explore every possible alternative or all, every possible option to use those scholarships. I think committing a scholarship to a walk-on in early July is silly. I don't think there's any compelling reason to do that right now. They're still on the hunt for transfers in the transfer portal. There's still class of 2023 players they could pursue and put on scholarship. Uh, there's There are still alternatives, like reclassify somebody from 2024. Like there are options that could that could steal one of those scholarship spots. I also think, in fact, I would be very surprised if Gonzaga didn't go into next season with at least one of those scholarship scholarship spots open. I wouldn't be shocked if they keep two of them open. Add a transfer, add somebody like Jose Perez or Jeremiah Williams, leave those two roster spots open, go into the season with them open. If by mid-season they're still open, they didn't find somebody that they wanted to add at the last minute, then you put Brooks and potentially Abe Eagle on scholarship, reward them for their hard work, their dedication to the program for being on the roster for the last couple of years. We've seen Gonzaga do that with Matthew Lang. We've seen them do that with other walk-ons in the past as well. Mike Hart earned a scholarship. And Matthew Lang, he earned his scholarship in the second semester. Last year, they had an open scholarship going into the second semester, and they filled it by bringing in June Sakio. They're going to look to do something like that again. So for me, giving Colby Brooks a scholarship, I don't want to say it's like a last-minute option because that sounds like almost mean, and I don't want it to sound mean. I just don't think they're going to do that unless they don't have anything else to do with that scholarship. 
that's the I guess that's the nicest way that I can put it. Does should Colby Brooks be put on scholarship? Probably. I think you earn it when you spend a couple of years in the system. When you you know do the things that walk-ons are, are expected to do, you get good grades, you work really hard in practice, you take care of the team. Like there are kind of expectations for walk-ons. You enthusiastic on the bench. You know you you take advantage of the playing time that you do get. Like there are kind of roles that go with being a walk-on. Assuming Colby Brooks, and I, I lumped Abe Eagle in because they started at the same time. Um, assuming they're doing that, they should be rewarded with a scholarship at some point. I think that there's a chance that it happens before the start of the college basketball season this year. I think there's an even better chance that it happens in the second semester of the academic year. But I think right now it's not going to happen yet because Gonzaga is going to continue to look at who are some transfer portal additions we could make. Uh, are there some international players in the class of 2023? They might look to just replace Alex Tui with another player as similar to Alex Tui as they can find. There aren't players better than him available on the international market. He's one of the very best international prospects in the class of 2023. That's why it was a bummer to lose him to the professional ranks in Australia. But if they could find another player like that, Find another Junsak Yo. Find another player playing internationally who hasn't committed to college. Who's you know Gonzaga has really strong connections overseas. They have Tommy Lloyd helped make a lot of them, but Gonzaga still has them. And I think that that's the a potential avenue for them to pursue with that with one of those scholarship spots. I could see them adding a transfer, adding one 2023 recruit, and leaving one scholarship open, which doesn't leave room for Brooks or Eagle to get a scholarship uh, for next season. So it's up in the air still. Could it be an option? Yes. Is it deserved? Probably. Is Gonzaga going to be very careful to explore every possible avenue before they do that? Yes. Final question of the show here comes from Christian via Gmail. Another one from Christian. He says, Zags in the NBA and around the world have become an expansive and ever-growing discussion slash journey. What players are your favorite stories currently? Ira Brown is an amazing story, and you brought up his resiliency, career longevity, and fitness level in his post-LeBron years. Yes, I love the Ira Brown story. Love, love, love the Ira Brown story. Ira Brown played minor league baseball with Zach Greinke. He played college basketball with Jeremy Pargo. And he represented Japan in the 2022 Olympics. That is an insane sequence of facts about one individual. An insane sequence of facts. Like It's really hard to wrap my head around somebody playing minor league baseball with Zach Greinke and playing three-on-three Olympic basketball representing Japan in 2022. But that's Ira Brown. Grew up really poor, loved baseball, played minor league baseball for five years, decided that wasn't for him, went to college, played at the JUCO level, played at Gonzaga for two years, started a professional basketball career, played all over the world, ended up in Japan and loved it. And he's still playing. He's over 40 and he's still kicking ass in Japan. Really, really fun story for Ira Brown. One of my favorites. But since you mentioned that in the question, Christian, I'll give you a few other ones as well. Matisse Merninghoff and Gino Crandall were teammates last season for BC Gottingen in Germany. These guys played at Gonzaga about a decade apart, almost exactly a decade apart from each other when they played at Gonzaga and now they're teammates in Germany together. That's fun. Speaking of Gino Crandall, he was also back-to-back league MVP in the British Basketball League. Two-time MVP Gino Crandall. Really fun story. Love Gino Crandall's story. Love seeing him have success uh, first in, in Britain and, of course, now in Germany with Gottingen and with Matisse Merninghoff. A couple other ones. Jonathan Williams and Jeremy Jones were teammates this past year with the Taiyetsu Golden Eagles in Japan. They respectively led that team in scoring. Jeremy, or excuse me, Jonathan Williams 
bested Jeremy Jones in points per game at 13.6. Jeremy Jones averaged 13.5. Those two guys, of course, were teammates at Gonzaga together. To see them both having success in Japan, playing together, and being the two the team's leading scorers, really, really fun story there. And finally, I got to shout out Stephen Gray. It's not technically a current player as he has officially retired from professional basketball, but Stephen Gray played in eight different countries during a prolific professional basketball career. He played in France. He played in Greece. He played all over the place, and he almost always averaged at least 10 points per game. You look at his professional basketball career, you look at the stats, always nine plus points, 10 plus points, 13 plus points, high level scorer for over a decade, traveled all across the world, returned home to take a a leadership position at an old school of his. Very cool story. Always love Stephen Gray. Always love getting a chance to tell that story. Perhaps we'll do some more full segments later this month, later in August, just kind of exploring the professional careers of, of former Zags who maybe didn't make it in the NBA or only briefly in the NBA like Jonathan Williams, because I think it's fun to remember these guys, to remember how great they were at Gonzaga and to just kind of see what they've been up to, where they've explored. Do they have families? Are they still playing? You know, those kind of stories I think are very fun. And I think the Gonzaga community loves to rally around their players and I think really would enjoy hearing some of these stories. So I'm going to try to bring some more of them to you all uh, over the next few months while we wait for the upcoming college basketball season. That's going to wrap us up for today. More coming your way this week. Of course, we'll continue to keep you updated on the Summer League, continue to keep you updated on Yvonne Ejim playing with the Team Canada Senior Women's National Team. Uh, Of course, continue to keep you updated on the Transfer Portal and all of the goings about there as well. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, as always, go Zags.